Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's, let's get right to it. Okay, welcome everybody. It is the Goodman Ryan Hoop God Pod. I just It's a new name. Ryan Goodman, Tangway. Start with Bob Ryan. Oh, H first with with the legend. Is that is that H first? Okay. Um, The the Ryan Goodman Hoop God Pod. So I'm just happy to be along (laughs) for the ride. By the way, people who watch this now, they 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 want to know if Bob's background is real or is it just one of those fake, you know, one of those fake things now that they computer screen, green screen. Bob, can you walk over? Can you walk over and show him and pull a book out of it? It's it's real. Ladies and gentlemen, it's real. It is real. Trust me, it's real. And he's read every one. He's read every one of those books. There you go, Bob. All right. It does look fake, though. You're right. It it totally does. I mean, but it's so cool. It is so Ryan. I mean, that is just so him right there. Imagine the amount of money. Well, although Bob's probably got a lot of those for free, but uh, he's probably he's he's got the Bible, Jeff. He's got the Bible. There it is. There it is. Very nice. He's got Very the Bible. Nice. I like okay, it. guys. So let's get to it here. I, I took a look at the Eastern Conference standings, and I admit I'm not a standings guy all the time. Uh, so here's the question to kick things off. The top of the Eastern Conference will be blank by the new year as the Bulls, Heat, New York, Washington, and Philly are your top five teams. The Nets and Bucks and the Celtics are down near the bottom. What, at, what say you, Bob Ryan? I think the serious team is Miami. We all talked about them in the offseason, that they were a team to watch. Uh, the, um, the acquisition of Lowry, um, the, the continuing, uh, uh, the arrogance of, of, nightly arrogance of Jimmy Butler, <laughs> if you will, you know, and Bam. Uh, I think they're a serious. I think it'll be different to a degree. Um, I, obviously, Milwaukee's issue is injury. They just don't have their people, right. period. That, that I'm, so I'm not, you know, the Nets – They'll figure it out, uh, uh, but they do have this turmoil with Kyrie. I don't know whether what, what's silly in their minds. I don't know whether the guys think, well, we'll get them eventually, or whether well that that could be. That's a very disruptive thing. But I um, and and the Knicks, who lost to the Raptors last night, as we speak uh, at home, surprisingly maybe um, they're better. 
they're, they're, they're definitely better and they got a legitimate coach and, and a Barrett had a big game the other night, the, the biggest game of his career so far. And they've been waiting for him to show that kind of uh, scoring punch. Um, so, but I do think that the one thing we can say is uh, I trust Miami this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And I think it's a, it's a perfect blend, right? Of like you said, Jimmy Butler with the arrogance, you bring in PJ Tucker mm. Who, who, again, I've said, and we'll get to this soon, is like the missing piece for the Boston Celtics. Like just a warrior, tough, will call out the young guys. He doesn't need to do it as much in Miami because Jimmy Butler does it and Lowry does it, and they've got a few of those. But then they've also got some skilled guys who can really shoot it with Duncan Robinson, oh. Tyler Hero, even the kid Max Struess who played it to Paul. He can really, really shoot it. So I, I think, honestly, Pat Riley's put together – a really good mix in Miami uh, of tough, hard nose, you know, kind of underrated chip on their shoulder guys. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Butler, junior college kid, Duncan Robinson. We know his story. Kyle Lowry. I remember sitting with uh, a coach, an assistant coach at Villanova, watching Kyle Lowry in high school. And both of us didn't think he was good enough to play at Villanova. <laughs> so uh, again, a lot of these guys, it works for that Miami culture and Spo is such a good coach. So I'm, I'm with Bob. I'm riding Miami this year, um, but don't count out Milwaukee, obviously Brooklyn, those two teams are going to get better. And, and I think we'll see Chicago fall off a little bit. The wizards are five and two, the wizards. How do we see Philly right now? How do we see Philly? Well, I mean, I think it's going to catch up with them already, you know, and beats hurt again a little bit and, that's the big thing. If Joel Embiid's not playing, that feel, and Tobias Harris is out. So if if Embiid is not on the floor, they are very, very, very mediocre. Now, our boy George Niang went for 21 last night. Big night last night, yeah. That's always good to see. Uh, but if you got to rely on uh, Methuen's own to get 21 for you, you're in trouble. I, I have been a fan of Maxie, though, from my first time I saw him at Kentucky. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star or anything, but but uh, he caught my eye then, and 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 I, I I think he's going to be a solid pro, don't you? I do, I do. I think again, I just think they got to get something for Ben Simmons. I, we're not going to go into it again. <laughs> not going to much now. That how I, I I'm just dying of curiosity. We've talked about this endlessly since the end of the season last year. The number one topic in the off season for me was. What's the market value? I repeat this continually. What is the market value for Ben Simmons? And the one thing I think that the three of us can agree on is that it's a lot less than it was three months ago. Wouldn't you love to know um, from Daryl Morey, like what was the best trade offer he's actually got? Yeah, Ben Simmons. Well, no, wait a minute, guys. I didn't know that. He's not trading him. I thought that would, no, he's just not trading him. He's he's taking a stand. He's not on the market. uh, You know what? If if that's it, then your arrogance – is going to really get in the way and, and yeah. ownership should get involved and say, Hey, Maury, here's the deal. We want to know what the trade offers are because we can't throw away a season, which is essentially what Philadelphia is doing here. Cause they are not good enough as presently constituted to win a title. They're not, they're not good enough to beat probably Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Miami at this point. So you, they got to make a move at some point. I think they'll wait and again, see what the market bears as the trade deadline, maybe if they get that far, you know, somebody's going to be unhappy at that point. And that's when you, you you can try to maybe make a move for Benson. Let's touch on Chicago because this week Jeff was at the garden. We're going to get into the Celtics in a moment. 
What surprised me about the Bulls, because I hadn't obviously hadn't seen them, was their bench. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's something that Danny, Brad, the Celtics have not been able to put together for a long time. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love to have Alex Jeff. Caruso? Wouldn't you love to have Alex Caruso on the Celtics team? Sure. I'd like to have all of their bench on the Celtics team. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, you yeah. were there last night. You know, about yeah, the Chicago I, team, like I know you think they're falling off, but how much of a threat could they be? I think that the loss of Patrick Williams uh, for the season is really going to hurt him because he was just that guy who did everything, right? He guarded, he was tough. Then now you're, you're starting Javante Green, no disrespect, Radford's own uh, Javante Green, who, who earned a spot with the Celtics. Uh, but but starting him and playing him 20-plus minutes, not the same. Patrick Williams' upside was, was much, much higher. But I love their, their other four starters. And I love Lonzo Ball. I do. And I, I was talking to Billy Donovan for a while after the game last night, and we were talking about Lonzo, and he said, like, I, I think this is a fresh start for him where he feels wanted. Mm-hmm. And he never felt really wanted in New Orleans. And obviously LeBron, we know, didn't really want him in L.A. or else he'd still be there. Um, so I, I think he feels wanted, and he just plays the game the right way. Um, it was interesting, guys. So you guys know my background with the Ball family. Yes. Not good. Not good. So <laughs> I waited around. I wanted to say hello to Lonzo because I, I have so much respect for him and have known him since he's a young kid and really like Lonzo. Super mature, doesn't talk much at all, just plays ball and, and does it the right way. And again, you know, guards, better three-point shot. He, he's improved the mechanics, all that. So I, I went to say something to him, pulled down my mask as he's walking out. And he saw me and he gave me the kind of head nod and and he was going to walk, keep walking out to the bus. And, and I kind of grabbed him and I said, hey, man, I just want you to, you know, let you know, um, you know, stick with it. I know it's been a tough road for you, uh, this and that. And, you know, I don't think he, he really wanted to talk to me because obviously, you know, I don't get along with his, his dad. And right. it didn't go well at the end in Lithuania. I haven't talked to LeVar at all since then. And I've been probably critical, certainly of the middle one, Leangelo, saying that he was never an NBA player. And LaMelo saying he was super immature at that point. Um, so I don't know how much uh, Lonzo wanted to see me at all, but I just, <laughs> I like him. I do. I think he's, he's, a, he's a nice kid uh, who, again, could have played back, Bob, when, you know, when you started covering the league and would have been a hell of a player then. I think his game is less effective now than it would have been back then. I, like, to me, 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, point guard, who just knows how to play and wants yeah. to make people better. I, I think he's a key for Chicago, an underrated key for Chicago. Yeah, uh, brother Lamelo had a big game last night, by the way. Huge game. Very yeah. big game. Yeah, so, Bob, what do you think? I, I, I want to know Bob's feeling on Donovan as a coach. I think that he's fine. I think he's. A, I think he can win a championship with Billy Donovan. I think that that uh, um, I'm, I'm, I, it was time to move on, you know, uh, from OKC and – uh, and I, I like that idea that he went to, to Chicago. But I mean, I, I'm a big fan of his. I go back. I remember my favorite Billy Donovan story for me is that uh, I had lunch with Rick Pitino early on in his first year he was at Providence. And he was telling me, I got this kid, Billy Donovan. And I told him, you got to lose 15 pounds or you can't play for me. Period. <laughs> and that's how close. And he did. And, and you think Rick was kidding. We know he wasn't kidding. And this is how far Billy Donovan came. Of course, that's the year they go to the final four. <laughs> and, and thanks in part to the fact that Pacino 
totally embraced the three-point shot, one of the first guys to do so uh, in, in college basketball to make, to make it a focal point of his game. And Billy Donovan thrived on it. Uh, and uh, so anyway, I go, I've, I've always been interested and I really liked him as a college player. And, and, and I, I followed his career from Marshall and the whole, you know, all the way through the ranks. And, and all. anyway, I may not be the most unbiased person in discussing Billy Donovan as coach. Uh, I'm not either. I'm, I'm right with you. I'll give you a great Billy Donovan story, Gary. So it was after he took the magic job and went back to, to Florida, right? Yeah. He, he, he wins a title, takes the magic job, goes back um, to Florida, changes his mind. Billy has a tendency to really call a lot of people on every decision he makes uh, and overthink things. So anyway, he, he did that. And we're in uh, Akron for the LeBron James camp. Um, and we're having a few beers. And Akron's like, you know, dead city. There's nobody there. Uh, and we, I remember we walked down a hill to get to this kind of restaurant bar and he's going through the whole thing with me, the whole Florida Orlando magic situation. We're talking about it, whatever, having a few more beers. And I don't know how we got, Oh, I know how we got on it. Cause Rick Flair, Rick Flair came in when, uh, the second year, I believe it was the second year after they won the national title, that, that group with Noah and Hortford, Torian Green, Lee Humphrey, Corey Brewer. Billy always wanted to kind of find, find ways to, to motivate his players. And he played a video of like Ric Flair before a tournament game. I forget which one it was. And the players are there and, and they're getting pumped up with this Ric Flair video. And all of a sudden, Ric Flair comes through the door. He comes through the door and he starts doing this thing and whatever. And the whole friggin' locker room went bananas, right? It, it got him completely pumped up. So uh, we're talking about this. Billy Donovan on the streets of Akron. I wish, I don't think there were, well, maybe there were iPhones, but I don't know. I didn't have one ready to go. I wish I had video for it. Mm. Billy Donovan is doing the full Ric Flair oh. on the streets of Akron, the <laughs> strut, the yelling, you name it. And uh, it, it, I remind him of it every That's time. Great. That's, that's that's one thing I don't think enough people see of Billy Donovan is like, you know, he'll go hard, he'll work hard, and he'll be all business. But he's also got that other side of him to to have some fun and be able to connect with players. I am of yeah, I'm of the belief that 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 was Florida team was the last truly great college team oh we'll ever see. When you we, think about those guys coming back to do it again, yes, not going to happen again ever. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and what they had, the whole balance of that team, they were perfectly constructed, uh, uh, the starting five. And uh, that that's the last truly great college team we'll ever Well, seen. I mean, that's what I saw last night with the Chicago team yes. where, yes. you know, I always fit. wonder about college coaches going to the pros. It's very difficult to do. But what I saw last night, even though Chicago struggled, and we're going to segue into the problems of the Celtics, but even though Chicago struggled early on, they're listening to their coach. I mean, they are buying in. Yeah. And, and Bob, you know, he's getting those guys to buy in. Well, they're pros. That's the difference, Gary. But the it's more still hard, though. I mean, the Celtics aren't buying in as we segue into that, and the Bulls are, Jeff. Well, That's the frustrating thing. But DeMar DeRozan is a professional player. He's right. one at the highest level, right? Like Zach Levine is now learning from him. Vucevic is a pro. Like he's just, he's about the right things. Um, and, and I think they have, they've had good enough players. DeRozan was terrific last night. 
And the thing I love about DeMar DeRozan, most players are always going to try to show you when, when they say you can't shoot from three. What's De, you know, DeRozan going to show you I can, I can, I can. Now, he made a few last night. Um, but ultimately, DeMar DeRozan is all about mid-range, finishing right. around the basket. He was terrific last night. And, and again, Lonzo with those three, Zach Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, they all fit together, right? You've got a pass-first point guard. You've got a, a ball-creating guard who can – he wasn't good the first three quarters, but then he was really good in, in Levine. Vucevic is a, one of the best offensive big guys out there, and DeRozan's one of the better wings out there. Yeah. They just – they fit. Those four guys fit well together. It's not two guys. It's four. Yeah, and we should tell people we, we're taping this at the time – uh, after the Celtics lost 128 to 114 to the Bulls at the Garden, Chicago outscored the Celtics, Bob, 39 to 11 in that fourth quarter. Um, and I mean, I sent the emoji to Jeff last night with the, the 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 little face puking up, but it was green puke. And I said, well, of course it is. How so you find that? the thing that bothers me about this team, Bob, is I don't think they care about winning. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, really care about winning. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I haven't seen enough, guys. I'm going to be relying on your judgments. I have plan. I'm going to a couple of games upcoming, and I, I wasn't in a position, I, my personal life, I just wasn't in a position to see the game uh, and, and to see. All I know is I pick up I, – I, I keep track of what's going on a little bit on, on the phone, and I'm, I saw the third quarter score. Oh, I'm feeling good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then I found out before I went to bed, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I went, huh? And I, you know, picked up the paper here. This, we got trouble right here on the banks of the Charles folks right here. We, this, we got trouble folks, trouble. And with a capital T and, uh, and the word that comes to mind is the E word, which is the last word you ever want to use. Embarrassing. And when you're booed off the court, what is this three times now? Yeah, they, were booed. they were booed pretty bad. I mean, I was sitting there in section 19, Bob, and the boo birds came out. I mean, they they started uh, to come out when, when again, Chicago was making their run in the fourth quarter. And you can't blame them because the team, no. they show no emotion. That's the right. hardest part. Like, Gary, I understand what you're saying, Gary, because what you're saying is like, of course they care about winning. Everybody cares about winning. But do you live it? Do you breathe it? Are you going home? absolutely miserable to whereas you can't sleep last night after that loss which you were completely dominated in the fourth quarter the 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 analogy i always use the, or the example i always use and perhaps bob was even at the press conference is when bill parcel said i threw up in my mouth last night <laughs> okay and that's you know like part like like parcel is the type of guy where he needed like doctors yeah. you know i mean the guy was like physically ill if they were losing, that's what I'm talking about. And it, it, with this team, it doesn't happen. So, Bob, that's number one. To, and to, to Jeff's point about how Chicago fits, when I watch the Celtics play, I see Jason Tatum gets his, I see Jalen Brown gets his, and then that's kind of it. And they don't work together. We'll get to Marcus Smart calling out his teammates yeah. in a minute, but you just have two individual guys that take turns, and that's it. You know what I would do? It's fresh in my mind because I happened to be talking to Kevin McHale last night uh, for, in preparation for the tradition at the Sports Museum. He's going to be one of the honorees this year. Oh, great. And we were talking about 
um, 85, 86. We're talking about the whole era. And he talked about how they complemented each other right. from day one, which included him coming off the bench behind Max in, in those first, he wins two six men of the year awards. But you think about it, you know, they all had their indistinct, indistinct styles and, and things that they did, but it all worked. Maybe it worked often because Larry was Larry and he could pass the ball to anybody at any time. But the point is he talked about how they complemented each other and, and, um, um, it's exactly the poll and maybe a few get dig out a few vintage films a little highlight a few some highlights uh coach and show these guys uh you know how they remember the nice guys you guys remember how they passed the ball i remember writing a game story once uh i think this was in 80, 80 the first 80 81 when kevin was a rookie the year they won that first championship for that group and i said they invented a new sport last night they called it share ball not basketball yeah it was share ball and this is with Tiny and Chris in the backcourt and the other guys up front, Max, Robert, and, and, and uh, Larry. Um, and, and, you know, that was the hallmark of that team, the 86 team passing. And then, of course, when Walton came, you know, then it got to be an art form that we've never – we're only now seeing again in form of Jokic. He's the closest thing to Walton that we've seen. But anyway, hey, show them how it can be done. I don't know. That, nothing else seems to be working. I, it's This is – this is unimaginable what's happening to me. Well, it is. I mean, they haven't won at home. And, Jeff, I want to get back to, like, to Chicago last night as I'm watching the game. Chicago was – I mean, obviously, they struggled early. I think the Celtics were up by as much as 19. Yes, uh, 19. Yeah. yeah, up by as much as 19. You know, and it's Chicago. It's just not working. But Chicago, I think, the second – they had two 24-second violations because they overpassed. Right. <laughs> they overpassed. I couldn't believe it. And I counted, and, and I can't remember who was doing the game. I, Gorman, I mean, who, who was doing the game? It was either Gorman or Scal last night who, who counted on one possession. They counted 10 passes by the Bulls. They wow. counted. So I'm and sitting there watching Horford, the game. You have Al Horford coming down, jacking threes with 21 seconds left in the shot clock of all people. Al Horford. He's supposed so, to be the grown-up in the room. Correct. Right. So, <laughs> but is he frustrated, Bob? Is he frustrated to where that's – that's why he's taking those shots because he – listen, the bottom line is, and I've said this for, for a year plus now, and, and nobody wants to agree with me. I guess a lot of people don't. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just don't play well together. They, they need a third guy. They need – if they don't have that one third has guy to go. guard, they, they are not great together. And the other part of it is – and, again, I know I got crucified for this when somebody on the radio asked me, uh, are they buddies? And I said, no, they're not buddies. And Bob and I have talked about this. They don't need to be buddies. Larry Bird and Kevin McHale weren't buddies either. But they won at such a high level, it didn't matter. This group, they're not winning at that level. So what I want to see is when Jalen Brown makes a three, I want to see Jason Tatum get excited, chest bumping him, high-fiving him. When Tatum makes that that dunk last night, and he had a ridiculous dunk down the lane, a spin I want to see Jalen Brown coming over and fist bumping him and, and chest bumping him and yelling and screaming. And you see none of it, none of it. And it's contagious also. It's contagious to the crowd. It's contagious to the teammates. And it shows some sort of synergy. And, and again, like Gary gets back to, some sort of wanting to really, really win and, and, and show some passion. And this team has none of it, none of it. As well, you were okay, speaking, let's get to Marcus. Uh, Bob, I'm speaking. sure you saw the, the comments on Marcus Smart. 
was basically saying, okay, well, the defense is gunning for Tatum and Brown, and they don't pass the ball. And Marcus is just saying they don't pass the ball. Yeah. Now, is this going to be a chemistry issue? Is this going to cause problems? Is it going to fall on deaf ears? Well, Well, I mean, go ahead, Bob. What's happening isn't working. Aren't they smart enough to understand this? I mean, they have just – now, I've been – I haven't had too many times over the last 50 years when I've been watching – truly bad Celtic teams. So it's been a few times. And all right, so, but, uh, so we've seen stretches of, but this team shouldn't be this bad based on this technical skill that they possess, period. So what you're saying, Gary, I have to buy into completely. And as you were speaking, Jeff, I was thinking of, you know, um, ML Carr's contribution to that team was immeasurable on and off the court, as much more off, in those early eighties and, and at the mid, you know, and, 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 you know, who's these things do matter. They do. It's obviously they do matter with teams. And uh, I, I don't think, I mean, how can they be live with themselves? Of, uh, if this happens, one game's an aberration. We know that a hiccup. Okay, fine. This is three. What's the line? You're being booed off the court at home. And, and we only, we haven't even hit that uh, veterans day yet. Right. And this has happened. This is the garden. I'm supposed to be I'm, home court. I'm stunned. And, well, and here's my uh, problem with Marcus Smart. Here's my problem. I don't disagree with some of the things he's saying. They need to find other ways to get these guys to score, and they do need to pass the ball, right? They do. Um, but Marcus Smart, like, look in the mirror, my man. Like, you're shooting 28% <laughs> from three. You can't run a team. You're not, you're not a high-level point guard. I, I'm telling you, if you looked around the league, how many point guard situations are worse? How many, how many wouldn't you trade? Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, and I'll throw Peyton Pritchard in there, although I think he should play more. You trade, you trade that group of point guards for almost any point guard you know, crew on any team in the entire league right now. You cannot win at a high level with that point guard situation in the NBA. Can't. I'm never right, in my life. I'm sorry, Bob. Go ahead. So I mentioned this last time, never once in my life that I ever thought in my head of uh, 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 calling Marcus Smart a quote-unquote point guard. He's not a point guard, never was, never will be a point guard. He's, an, he's a basketball player with unique skill set, uh, 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 who's a defensively-oriented basketball player who once in a while can make a three, and he, and he brings a, a, a possess. But anyway, he's off not a point bench, guard. Off the bench is where he belongs. Right. For a good team. If you bring Marcus Smart as your first guard off the bench, yeah. that is a good playoff team that maybe can contend for one of the top three or four seeds and maybe get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Period. Right. But one just, guy who does want to win, and he has been a favorite of mine, even if when you go back to college, and I know Jeff knows all about the story of John Morant, but yeah. my God, Bob. I mean, to me, this guy is one of the new young faces of the league, oh. and he right now is tied for second in scoring in the league, and I know it's early, 28 points a game. Uh, went head to head with Steph the other night. Do you think that John Morant will be an MVP candidate? Oh, I think he's playing like this. He's shooting, as you said, he's shooting fifty-two. He's 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 got this. Yes, uh, depends on how far the team goes and all. But I, the fact is that that uh, the guy I think about him most in conjunction with, not necessarily Doncic because of the juxtaposition on draft night and all that, and they're the, they were the cover boys on the Sports Illustrated issue, you know, for, uh, basketball is it's Trey Young. I mean that's those are the, it, it, because of the, the the size and the and the job description and the, and what they bring to the game. But but he's spe- he's special, John Moran. 
I love him. You talk oh about I love see this is why I love everything about him. I love the fact that the guy was overlooked, right? Jeff, the story how he was in the other gym during the college workouts. He yep. was with the guys that weren't supposed to be any good. And one college coach saw him and said, Holy cow, I'm not gonna tell anybody this guy. He was getting I love some the popcorn. hair. I love everything Kane. about the guy. Yeah, James Kane was getting like some popcorn or something at the at the snack uh bar at, at the one of the AU tournaments who kind of went to the back gym and and kind of stumbled on him. But yeah, John John's terrific. And I remember, you know, when, when he was coming out, the one thing I would say to people was always like, the thing about Ja was either a point guard generally is super athletic and not skilled, right? You're super athletic and like Russell Westbrook, not a great passer, not a great shooter, or you're the other way, right? You're, you're, you're not a great athlete, but you're a, a great shooter and a great, or a great passer. Um, ja has it all. He has it all. Like he's a freak athlete, like almost at the, they're probably at the Russell Westbrook level. He can also find his teammates. And now he's shown he can shoot the ball from three. Like, what can he do? Like right now, there's not even a question. If you went back and said, who do you take with the number one overall pick? Zion Williamson or John Morant? It's it's not even a question anymore. Oh, yeah. it's, it's clearly John Morant. And I feel bad saying that because I love Zion as a kid. But I always that was my biggest question about him carrying up, around all that weight and the injuries he had already had in high school. Will he stay healthy? Mm-hmm. And there was video of him the other night, and he looked like he was ballooned again. He looked like he was up to 290 or 300 plus, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. And he hasn't been on the court this year. And uh, John Morant, man, he's special. He's special. You know, he just plays it. He's off the radar screen. It turns out a franchise, you know, they, they got to do some winning to get to public attention, but in the league, everybody knows <laughs> that's for sure. And, and, and uh, he might be the best point guard in the league in, in a couple of years. Listen, Trey young, there, there are a couple of things with John Morant to Trey young for me. Number one, Jaws bigger. Like he's just, right. he's, he's built bigger. He's more athletic. Trey is a better shooter but Trey's percentage isn't always great because he takes so many, you know, deep, deep threes, whatnot. The other thing is Jaws a better defender. He's a better defender. And we don't put enough. I don't think we put enough stock and probably I actually love to know Bob's take on this over the years. Have we put less and less stock when, when, when evaluating and saying how good a player is on defense or was it always like this? Um, it's always been the same. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been that way the 50 years I've been covering the league. 50, yeah. uh, it, 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 it's, uh, you can get away with being mediocre on defense if you're a superior offensive player. And you, as you were talking about the point guards and, and, and specifically with this, think about this. Um, in the end, near, especially near the end of, end of their career, now, it was only then that people noticed, you know, John Stockton uh, is slowing down. He's not that good on – Steve Nash was the one, right? Steve Nash was, was, oh, we just noticed in year 10, he's not that good on defense, but, you know, he's Steve Nash. Didn't matter. Live with it, right? right? That kind of thing. I, and then I was thinking about uh, others, you know, and you're right. It's not, there are very few point guards who, who could do it all. Who could, it, Bob, who could do it all? Who could shoot? I'm, I'm trying to could, think of, I honestly don't remember how good we thought Isaiah was because he's certainly doing it all offensively. Right. But he wasn't particularly noted for it either. No, well, he, he, played magic, the, he played on the bad boys and they had to play, he had to play defense, you know, right. but he wasn't the, he's was probably the weakest link of the ball. You know, it wasn't Joe Dumars, you know, it wasn't the big guys up front. So right. it's probably, it was him. But anyway, that's a very good point you make. 
about that uh, and, the, and the nature of point guards. Well, gents, we're out of time. And on the next episode of the Ryan Goodman pod, we'll find out if Jeff Goodman's office is real. <laughs> it really is. No question. Is it? The librarian, the master, Bob Ryan. Uh, thank you, Kamish. Uh, all right, Jeff. Always great to talk to you guys. We'll do it again next week right here on the Ryan Goodman pod. I'm Gary Tango. See you later.